The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 110 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. As always, coming to you from Garage Mahal on a wonderful Wednesday. It is P Nate and Pooty, and on the knobs and dials over there is our uh, our favorite engineer Wetsy. <laughs> the knobs and the dials. <laughs> I don't know. I I'm in a weird mood today. So, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So uh, we are the Rebel Podcast. Uh, how you been this week, Pooty? I'm I'm pretty good. I uh, I have a bit of a cold. So I think I feel, I feel like, like anybody listening to us is like, why do these guys always get sick? It's Canada. The answer <laughs> is Canada. And our weather changes like daily, uh, day, basically every day. Yeah. It's like yesterday was a monsoon of rain. Today it's 50 degrees. It feels like outside. Yeah. And so just the changes and I'm prone to sickness because as my wife tells me, I don't wash my hands. So I'm always <laughs> touching my head face and I get germs and I'm sick. Fair so, enough. But it's been a year. I've been like quite a good long time without a cold. All right. But I'm just getting over it. So other than that, I'm great though. All right. Well, good um, to know. Good to know. So. Well, we are the Rebel Podcast and we are part of the Rebel Alliance Media. If you haven't checked out the new content. Shame on you. Shame on you. Go right now. Stop the episode. Pause the episode. Go to rebelalliancemedia.com. I just want to thank, uh, we've had a couple of uh, donations come in uh, on the Donate Now button. Uh, thanks so much for that. Uh, a lot of people interacting with the blog posts and the videos that go online there. So uh, people are enjoying the content, it seems, and we're excited to be working with the Van Brimmers and the Emerys and, uh, and, and trying to polish up what we're doing here. So if you have anything that you, uh, you want to suggest, area directions we go, content to create, uh, we are all ears and uh, we're just very thankful for the listener base and the, the, the people that we have following. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we love it. We love interacting with you guys. It's probably our favorite thing is when we get the little messages. Totally. Nate has been on vacation for the last, it feels like the last like month and a half now. I realized only a couple <laughs> weeks, like 10 days. But then we did um, VBS and that, you know, you so, know I was involved um, in the VBS, which, you know, is basically like a wash for a week. But yeah. Well, you're, yeah. Kids. The yeah. worst. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the best. Can I say that? And worse. And worse. No, I just wanted to say that there has been a bit of delay sometimes with just the responding to the per- the individual messages. Yeah, yeah. We're we're working to catch up as quick as we as quick as we can. Um, just sorry that it's it's been way. I was away. Nate was on vacation, so you know his wife makes him put down his his phone for that kind of thing. So we're catching happily, up now, though. I happily do. <laughs> happily do. I know. I'm just lying. Yeah. yeah. So so, uh, so thanks for everybody who's been engaging. Uh, I think we're actually going to before we jump into any kind of longer 
series again. Uh, we're going to probably do a Q&A episode in a week or so, uh, a couple weeks maybe. And so if you have any questions that uh, I think we have a few that have been accumulated, but if you have anything else burning uh, that you would like to ask us, uh, make sure you send us a message with uh, whatever question you want to be on that Q&A. We like doing Q&As because these are the questions we actually get and not even when we solicit for questions, we just get all kinds of questions. And so we're, like I said, we're thankful for that. Uh, and so we want to be faithful and answer those questions. And, uh, and some of them we think other people would be helped by those answers. So we kind of save those and we say that we'll do them in a Q and a episode. So we got one coming up and, uh, and we're looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. So rebel news today, rebel news hit me. So you, you actually posted this on Facebook yeah, and we yeah. got into a bit of a fight, which we kind of talked about a little bit last week, but yep. we're going to actually engage with the content of that right now. Um, and this is that there was a TEDx talk. Yep. And basically that TEDx talk was about the fact that um, there's a, there's a movement, I don't know if a movement yeah, is the right word. Yeah, probably but, the right word uh, to use. <laughs> a sect of people who want to get pedophilia added as the P in LGBTQ P, I guess, would be what comes up because, you know, love is love, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's, uh, they have a website. I'm not even going to give it its, uh, uh, give it validation by telling you what the website is or anything, but I'm just reading off this right now, and, and, and it says... Um, uh, as far as we're able to tell, pedophilia is another sexual orientation. Uh, pedophilia is a uh, uh, pedophilia is not a mental illness. It is not a disease. But pedophilia is one of many sexual orientations that a minority of people within society experience. Uh, people are born with particular. Uh, uh, sexual uh, orientations and cannot help who they are attracted to. Uh, it goes on to say other stuff that's qu quite honestly, I'll just say pretty grotesque. Um, so I don't even want to get into it all. Uh, but this TED talk was essentially validating that same sort of idea, um, adding um, pedophilia as, as kind of a range of, of sexual orientations. Um, so here's, here's what we, uh, this is what I said. And what I said is that this this is the logical trajectory, and uh, so the the minute uh, that I started watching, and, and this happened like 10, 15 years ago, the minute I started watching, I was going to university at the time. Pride Week at uh, the University of Western Ontario is a huge thing, um, and there's posters and chalk, uh, sidewalk chalk, and and all kinds of signs and stuff all over the place. And, and one of the big things that you would see all the time is how can love be wrong? and love is love. Those are the two things that I'd see all the time. And, and so I, at the time, I mean, I was a bit of a rebel even back then and, and, and like getting into conversations with people and challenging Shocking. people's ideologies. And, uh, and, what, and I remember comparing homosexuality to pedophilia much to the um, uh, anger of, of the people that I was chatting with. And, and I basically just said, when you use that phrase, how can love be wrong or love is love, then you are opening the door for people who want polyamorous relationships, that so you are opening the door for adultery, you're opening the door for pedophilia, bestiality, all these kinds of things. Um, and, and the reality is, is that the Bible lines all these things up together. Now, all of these things fall under what the Bible calls porneia, which is where we get the word pornography. These are all 
all sexual perversions, according to scripture, all abominations before the Lord. Homosexuality is one of them, and yet that's where uh, society has now accepted that. And so what you've done is you've flung the door wide open for sexual perversion. And and the way, and this is what I this is what I was uh, exclaiming in the in the Facebook post that I made, is that the way that the LGBT community has argued open the door for, um, uh, like I said, polyamorous and, uh, and pedophilia um, uh, relationships because it's all about, well, this is how I am. I was born this way. I can't help it. How can it be wrong? Don't I deserve love too? Love is love. Um, now that interaction, as you can imagine, got, got kind of heated. <laughs> and, uh, and, the, and the one thing um, and this is this is what kind of appalls me um, most is that people, uh, you know, it, it's interesting to see that people have lines in the sand, right? They have no standard for why they're placing, you know, certain things. They have no standard because they don't stand on the objective word of God. It's all subjective. And, and they're saying all the kinds of things that, quite honestly, people said about homosexuality 20 years ago. They're now saying about exactly. pedophilia now. And, and I would just say that the sexual revolution has never and will never stand still right? It's, it's always trying to make what it believes is progress. And so after homosexuality was embraced, then it needed to be celebrated. And once it needed to be celebrated, now they need to be able to legally get married. And, and after they had kind of won that battle, moved on to transgender um, activism. And, and, and now you're, you're getting, it's not even just the ability to switch genders, but it's gender fluidity and it's, and it's non-binary and it's, it's, uh, pansexuality pansexuality and it's, you know, all of these these whack things because the sexual revolution never stands still. It's always trying to make progress, um, and so you look at that. And and but the one the line that that everybody on, on my Facebook page who got upset uh, about this, the line that they were all saying that this is the where it's not willing to cross is, but it's two consensual adults, whether they're 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 both uh, men or both women or whatever, is different from the abusive relationship of pedophilia because children can't give consent. So I would say two things to that. I would say, number one, I would say um, this, unfortunately, is, is why children have been, giving more, giving, have been getting more and more autonomy over the last couple of years, right? So, so a child now can't be disciplined or spanked or whatever from their parents because we recognize the moral autonomy of a child. And, and yet we recognize their moral autonomy for those kinds of things, but, but not to give consent. And so I think that's just, that's a slippery slope. I think, I think we're heading there. Actually, the sex ed curriculum that just got repealed in, in Ontario for several years was actually teaching consent to grades two and three uh, in, in school. And, uh, and they said it was so that people would know the difference between real love and abuse. But the, the fact is you're teaching consent and, and the age of, um, uh, of consent in first world countries across the, the world are, are moving in the wrong direction. They're moving down. The second thing I would say is that you can't give a child the autonomy to ch- pick what gender they are, right? To to become a man, become a woman, to start uh, hormone therapy, life-altering decisions at the age of eight, and then deny them the autonomy to choose a, a consensual sexual relationship. It, just, it Those two things don't compute. Those things are at odds with one another. So this is the trajectory that the LGBT community is, is headed. And if you are somebody who embraces homosexuality now and you think that, well, that's a line that'll never be crossed, 
you sound an awful lot like the people who said that about homosexuality 20 years ago. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly how I take this whole thing because one, I think it's sick. And so when I, when I think about it, but things that are commonplace now, when I was growing up were not commonplace that would be shocking and and it's not just the sexual stuff just think just think in other areas things that would be considered like you would never see on tv in the 80s you can turn on a normal tv show now and see see on them because everything needs to continually push the push the line that's because let's be honest we become desensitized to things. And so what do you need to do? It needs to push the envelope farther. Everything needs to get pushed further and further. So yes, I agree that probably most of the LGBTQ, I can never get the acronym right, (laughs) community right now thinks this is sick. But 15 years from now, when the line has continued to be pushed, where it's no longer a shocking thing to say that love is love. And in this situation, it's not going to still be shocking. There'll be something new that's shocking, something new that everybody's like, no, no, we can never get that far. And it's probably beasts. It's probably, you know what I mean? Yeah, Having yeah. sex with a horse or something like that, which is gross. But I mean, like, there's something else that's going to be shocking that the, the line will continue to get f- farther and farther down unless we stop the line and start and go back to you know, the one who actually created love and who created proper sexual boundaries, the word of God, God himself, and look to see what he said was appropriate and what wasn't appropriate and get back to that. Because when we leave it to ourselves, we're going to continue to push it, push it down the, push it, excuse me, push it down the line further and further. And we do this in every area of life, not just sexual things. So I just want people to be consistent and say, that's right. You know, we would draw the line in the sand here for this. Well, let's draw the line in the sand the same way for for everything. That's not what I would say for this one. Um, let's take a quick break. I think this lines up really good with our topic today, um, which is, are all sins created equal? Um, great, so great topic, yeah. I think, it, I think it's a great question. Let's, let's jump into that after a short break. Hey, it's Dave, the Rebel Alliance Media Tech Guy here to tell you more about the new, improved, expanded Rebel Alliance Media. It's new, it's improved, and yes, it's expanded. Check it out at rebelalliancemedia.com. There's the original Rebel podcast, as always, but now there's the Awakening Reformation podcast with Grant and Erica Van Brimmer, plus their new Faith of the Fathers podcast with their children. Great listening for families. Catch the Rebels each Friday for their weekly video on culture and get a refreshing review of eschatology with Pastor Nate's Eschatology 101 video series. Another new addition is the blogs and articles page with some excellent reads by the Van Brimmers along with Ben and Andrew Emery. You can now help Rebel Alliance Media financially through the donate button at the top of the homepage. It's a brand new website, so make it your home base for interacting with the Rebels. Don't forget to share it with your friends. That's rebelalliancemedia.com. Welcome back. So as we said right before the break, we're going to talk today about if all sins are equal in the sight of God, in the sight of man. And I think this is a really good question. This is something that I think actually trips up a lot of people because I think the natural assumption is to say yes, that they're all 100% equal, 100%. Well, we hear it all the time, right? Sin is sin. Sin is sin. Right. You've sinned, I've sinned. We're all, we're all guilty of the same stuff. Right. And 
in one sense, that's true. And so I want to start there by, by pointing out that in one sense, yes, all sin is equally punishable and all sin is equally separate, will equally separate us from God and his holy standard. But not every sin that we do is equal. And that's a very interesting division. So why don't we break that down a little bit so we can discuss that? Because I think maybe to most of our listeners, this won't be new, but to some of them, it might be the first time they've ever heard that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, so there's uh, there's that verse in James 2, I think it's verse 10 that says, um, if you're guilty of one sin, you are guilty of them all. You've broke them all. Um, and I think that's maybe where people get this idea from. But you do hear this a lot, and we hear it a lot when um, we get asked things like, you know, why do you spend as much time as you do condemning homosexuality or effeminacy or abortion, all that kind of stuff? Sin is sin, you know, and uh, and you should spend more time talking about the sin of racism than you should about the sin of, of homosexuality or something like that, right? And, uh, and so we... We, we lump them all together um, and, and say that all sins are, are equal, I think, I think, um, because there's a, there's a level of fairness in our own minds to that. And, and we have to remember that, you know, God, like we say that God defines love, God also defines what's, what's fair, right? Like we, we don't get to say what's fair. God's the one who gets to say what fair is. And so um, kind of the first thing that I would say is that uh, in John 19, um, these are the actual words of Jesus in verse 11. Uh, he actually is, he's talking to Pontius Pilate and he says, you would have no authority over me at all. This is John 19, 11. You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has committed the greater sin. So Jesus calls the sin of the Jews who handed him over to Pilate greater than the sin of Pilate. Now, that doesn't mean that Pilate didn't sin, um, but it does mean that, that Jesus clearly said that there was a greater sin in the handing over of Jesus to be publicly executed, uh, and that greater sin was of the Jews and not of Pontius Pilate. So, so Jesus kind of definitively kind of answers that statement. Um, and so I think that's, that's the first place that we have to recognize that. But I think um, we also have to just kind of think logically through what we see in Scripture. There, there are lots of sins in Scripture, and they're not all dealt with the same, right? When, when David um, uh, committed murder and adultery, uh, the, the son that he had with Bathsheba died, and, and, and David, um, likely maybe whether it was a direct revelation of God or just the assumption of, of a man who understood God's ways, um, recognized that that child died because of the sin that, uh, that was committed that brought that child into the world. And so um, we recognize that there is a difference between different kinds of sins in how God punishes them. Now, that's, that's not to say, and you said this early, so I want to I say it again, just that our, our listeners are, are hearing what we say, and that is all sin is equal in the fact that it separates us from a holy God, meaning that your sin of, of pride or laziness is just as condemnable before a holy God as the sin of adultery. Either one was necessary for Jesus to die for in order for us to be forgiven. It's not like if you went through your whole life with only minor little white lies or maybe not giving God your whole heart, but hey, 99.9%, right? And, and, and that, but that sin, every sin is enough to condemn us before a holy God because the, the one who we offended with our sin, the, the guilty or the offended party, 
uh, is infinitely holy, infinitely good, infinitely perfect. And so any sin is uh, condemnable um, eternally because we've sinned against an eternally holy God. So it does separate us from God equally, but that doesn't mean that all sin is equal. No, that's that's very good. That's I love the I love the point that when the first thing whenever we're talking about sin, you have to remember, like you you said it, who we've sinned against. First and foremost, we sin against God. So right. in that area, they're all terrible um, because we're sinning against the the infinite God. David actually shows us this when he's repenting of his sin. He doesn't even really even talk about the fact that he's sinned against individuals right he speaks about the fact that he's separated himself from god so that's the his first and foremost concern is his sin against god but then there's the the consequences for his sin like you mentioned the baby the baby dies you know he's held to account by nathan you know for the fact that there's consequences now for his sin and you know that's that's another thing we have to, to talk about there are some all sins aren't equal in reality, because some of our some of our sins don't have consequences that we see other than our separation between us and us and God, and some of them do. An example of that we see this when in Matthew five when Jesus is proclaiming, "You've you've heard it said this, but I say to you this." Right. When he talks about, "Hey, you've been told that murder is wrong, but I tell you, if you even look at somebody with anger, you've committed murder on them." Well, let's let's play that out for a minute. If I look at you and I'm upset with you and I'm angry at you and I look at you in anger. You don't even know that I've I've done that, but I've still sinned. But I'm not going to suffer any consequences for that sin from re- person from, to person. For, exactly from you because I've done nothing to you. I've just been angry with you, right? Right. So there's no consequence there for my sin on this side of the of the grave. I'm still separate. It's still a sin. I'm still separated from God, but it's not an equal sin to if I murdered you because nobody's going to put me in jail for being upset with you. I'm allowed in our, in our world to be upset with you. Not that I'm upset with Nate, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> trying to say something. I'm just, I'm just trying to show that there, there are, it's not realistic to say that all sins are equal right? because all consequences for sin in our world aren't equal. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and if you look back again, look to the law of God, right? That, that bigger part of the, the word of God that we often neglect. Um, there are all kinds of laws. Yeah, there are all kinds of laws, and uh, which which include consequences for breaking them. Right. So um, I'm I'm going through uh, Exodus right now with uh, with a small group, and and uh, God gives Moses the law, and you're reading through it, and we're reading it together, and we're talking about the practical implications of the law. Um, but it's interesting because it says it says things like you know if if you kill somebody and you mean to kill the person, then this then you're put to death. But if you strike somebody not meaning to kill them and they and they die, then this is the punishment, right? And so th- there's recognition of motive. There's recognition of of all these kinds of things um, d- uh, make the uh, penalty different. Um, similarly, we were kind of chuckling about this, but we talked about how it how it equates to modern day. But it says like if your ox kills somebody. Right, God's given the law to a bunch of people who had ox. If your ox gores somebody and they die, then this is the punishment. But and this is the how the, the the way the ESV renders it. But if your ox is in the habit of goring people and then it gores somebody, then this is the consequence. In other words, the, it's gr- it's a greater sin if you know that your ox is in the habit of goring people and it gores 
somebody because you didn't take the uh, safety precautions. And so it's interesting. We talked about that in terms of personal responsibility and and liability and all that kind of stuff. There's all kinds of of practical modern day applications for that. But you you see that the law of God, the perfect law of God, which reveals his character and his perfection to us, um, it prescribes different penalties for similar results. Somebody's dead, but based on the motive. And so, so all of these various things, you, you quoted Matthew 5, I talked about John 19, talking now about Exodus, all these things show us that there's an indication that there is a difference between different sins. So now let's get controversial for a second. And let's just say that, um, and, and I, I, I've been emboldened to say this because of the ministry of Warhorn Media and, and, and Tim Bailey, um, there are also sins you know, a, a, a sexual sin is a sin not only against the, the, the person that we're sinning against, but also God. But one of the reasons that we elevate homosexuality to a, a different level of sin is because God places it there. We see in Romans 1 that, that homosexuality is actually the result of, of the continual rejection of God. That rejection of God leads to faulty thinking, leads to idolatry, which eventually leads, as, as they continue to reject God, to God giving them over to a debased mind. There's a progression there. And so when it, the act of homosexuality is not only a sin just against God and just against his law, but it's actually a, a sin against the way that God created the world. It's a sin against nature as well as a sin against God. And so there, there are differing levels of sin and, and the different effects that it has on you. So when, when you tell a little white lie to somebody in order to make yourself look good or to spare their feelings, um, you might argue to yourself that, you know, that's not that bad because, you know, you intended good for it or whatever. Now, that's a sin. That's a lie. And, and it separates us from God. Mm-hmm. But the consequences in your own emotional well-being, your spiritual well-being, all those kinds of things is different than if you um, if you got into a, a physical altercation and, and, and hurt somebody or killed somebody or or um, you know raped somebody or or some sort of sexual sin against somebody those things have deep psychological ramifications we, we suffer with them the guilt is long and it's lasting and they come with shame and that's a way that God designed the world there's a reason certain sins are more shameful to us than other sins is because God deals with them by giving them shame because there's a greater they are of a greater uh, nature they are they're a greater sin yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The the one that always gets me is like, we all know that you're not supposed to lie. And so there, but there are times where we all do this. Honey, do these pants make me look fat? <laughs> no, honey, you look great all the time. That's a little white lie yep. for most people, not for us, because our wives always look good all the time. <laughs> Saved it. Um, but what I mean is like, that's a little white lie that doesn't have any ramifications down the road for our well-being, but it, it, it's still a sin. We still have told a falsehood if those pants indeed make her made, made her look fat. We still told her <laughs> told a falsehood. I'm 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 using a light situa- situation for a point. Yeah. Is that there there is no ramifications to that other than our sin against the whole holy God. Whereas if I said to the said no, those pants don't make don't make you look fat, and then I, you know decided to tur- turn and just make fun of her behind her back for all these things, which would hurt her and cause things. There are ramifications. There are, there is a different level of sin that I've committed there. You know what I mean? Because it's become not just the sin, me, me, God, it's become the sin, me, you, this other person, all the other people that I've sinned against by gossiping with um, and things like that. So there are different level. there's differing levels of sin. 
and I think we see this in Scripture, like you already pointed out, there are, there's consequences in the Old Testament linked to, to sin, say punish it this way, punish it this way, rather than just say everybody gets the exact same punishment for everything. So right. we already see that that's not the case, but we also see this in the New Testament all the time. When sexual sins, false teaching are vastly condemned far more frequently and far more harshly than Paul coming down on people who are telling white lies or people who don't, you know, do this or slap their brother or something like that. You know what I mean? Like those things are obviously sin, but they're not as condemned as the, as the sexual sins, which is why I think, like you said, we, we live in a time where this is a prevalent sin in our society. So it's something we're always talking about because it's something that our society is sinning with right now. Right. I think that's another interesting thing. So in Matthew, uh, I'm going to say it's maybe nine or 11. It's one of those two. Um, Jesus is talking about how, um, the Pharisees are good at seeing, you know, what's coming on the horizon in terms of weather, but they're not good at all at, at recognizing the the spiritual age in which they live. And he's talking about how, you know, the Messiah is here and you're missing it. But I think one of the applications of that verse is, is kind of the recognition of the cultural climate that you live in and, and where the battle lines need to be drawn in your generation. I think we wouldn't be where we are today if Christians in previous generations were better at reading the cultural climate, seeing the trajectory of the sin in their culture and where it was going to lead. And so I, I say that just to say, um, so we're, we're talking about how not all sin is created equal in the Bible. Not all sin um, is is equal in terms of its punishment, its ramifications, um, its consequences, all that kind of stuff. But then also, not all sins are equal in terms of when and where you live in the world, right? There, there, there are certain sins that in a particular culture of decadence, in a particular culture of, uh, right now we're, we're kind of near the tail end, of, I, I think the tail end of the sexual revolution and and we're, we're living, riding the wave of, of you know, the, the sexual revolution. You look at that, and so the sins that we are dealing with as a culture are different from the sins that other cultures at different times are dealing with. And so our need to be prophetic in those kinds of cultures is also different. We need to call out different kinds of sins. So it's interesting. You see, you know, in the book of Amos, the prophet Amos, he's calling out Israel for in its decadence, it's forgotten the poor right? And that's not true of every culture and every time. And yet Amos was used in that time frame. And and he said really harsh things to the Israelites, like, you know, all of your sacrifices, which are part of God's law, they actually stink to God, Mm -hmm. right? Like your worship is nothing but clanging noise because you've forgotten the poor. Now that's not true in every culture. It's certainly in in a lot of ways still true in our culture. But the reality is, is that God raises up prophets to speak about particular sins at particular times, because that's the particular sin that the, that, culture is absolutely steeped in. Uh, one of the things that we, we gloss over it so much when we're reading the New Testament, how many times in Paul's lists of sins does he talk about orgies? And you're thinking to yourself, like, especially in church, like, you know, when we were doing some of the epistles of, of Paul, when I was preaching through those, and you realize how often he's talking about not having orgies. And you're thinking, like, how am I, like, what's my practical application for that as a, as a pastor who's preaching? Like, hey, by the way, don't have orgies, right? Like, and and so you know things may be different that's depending. Point on, B. Yeah, that's <laughs> point, like, yeah, point no B. Orgies. Don't have orgies. Yeah. Um, but I I say that just to say Paul was actually living in a culture in Rome where pagan orgy worship was actually very very prevalent. 
And so Christians who were caught up in that had to be um, kind of um, reminded and told that that was a particular sin that Paul hammered home a lot. And when we gloss over it now, because especially a lot of our, in our churches and in the various rural communities that I've lived in, that doesn't happen to be something that a whole lot of people in Ingersoll are, are, are dealing with. That doesn't mean you don't preach on it when it comes up in the text, but I, I simply say that to say, we recognize that in our culture, in our particular time and, and, and the space that God has, has given to us, there are particular sins that need to be addressed more often and more um, critically. Yeah, I would, I going to rehash what I said in my blog. Um, but so I just want to bring up, there's three, there's three points. I've been thinking about this a lot recently and I, I want us to, to orient our mind when we're thinking about this, right? Is that God is sovereign, which means before the foundation of the world, he chose you to be a Christian and he chose you to love him and live for him. But it also, he also chose when you lived and what time period you lived. So the fact that we're living in times like these where we're basically on the cusp of another sexual revolution almost, where they're trying to push the envelope so far, there's a reason. And there's God with his sovereignty has placed us as the Christians, not me and Nate, us as the collective body of Christ on this planet in this time period to combat this. Right. Because we are the Christians who he's chosen to have live at this time. He could have had any number of men raised right. up to live at this time to combat the bat. But no, he left it for us to be the ones to fight this battle. Right. Like you were saying, you know, Amos, Amos was raised up at the time that he was needed at that time. David right. was raised up when he was needed at that time. There's yeah. no mistakes. There's no accidents with God in his sovereignty. We are the Christians that live to fight these battles, to fight against abortion. We're yeah. the ones that have been equipped and raised up to battle that battle. The LGBTQ Q lefty... Two plus whatever. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I can never get it right for the record. That, uh, but we're the ones that have been raised up to combat the, the sins of our, of our age. Um, and so I think, it's, I think it's important. And I think we should take heart in the idea that we know that God is, God is with us. We know that we are not alone. He's with us till the end of the age. And we live in this age, and this is this is part of what we have to combat. This is the the battleground of our day, for, so so to speak. Right. Whereas you know, maybe forty years from now, there's a different battleground that Christians, hopefully, maybe Lord willing, we may be part of that still, but we'll be fighting maybe a different battle. Um, and I think it's I love the, I love the fact that you brought up Romans one because I was thinking about this this week with the idea that. Our culture wants to suppress the truth and they want to suppress the truth in this area. So like we're big on to right now in the battlegrounds of abortion and, and sexual sins and everybody con condemns us for always wanting to speak truth in those areas as opposed to just talking about violence or something like that, which we do. We still talk about gun control. We've had, had homeschooling debates and stuff like that, but that's because right now in our culture, that's the truth that's being suppressed the most. Right. Which means Christianity, Christians, because we're the ones with the truth, we have to do the opposite of suppress it. We have to over-proclaim it in the, in the area. So because the world and culture and all of our governments and all of our policies are trying to suppress this truth that there is a right way to be in love, there is a right area, Christian, Christians need to be the ones that are unsuppressing the truth. I don't know another word for like de-suppressing, I guess, <laughs> but, <laughs> revealing, we, but yeah. pre pre revealing the truth in, the, in these yeah. matters, which puts us at direct odds against us. And I just think it's a very interesting thing that we need to keep in, keep in our mind when we're talking about elevating our arguments against one sin. Well, that's 
kind of purposeful in this because that's the sins of our day and age. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think so. Here's here's one thing that I want to caution Christians to because in this conversation you can very easily fall into a mindset, and and there are a lot of really popular. Christian ministries, even within our reform circle. And, and I think um, in, a, in a lot of ways, I think the Gospel Coalition has been guilty of this um, more recently than, mm-hmm. than they have been in other times. Is So they'll look for a sin that the culture is, is um, with us in condemning. And they'll, they'll, they'll say that this is a good opportunity for the church to show what we're you know, stand, we can stand side by side with them on, right? So, you know, I think about racism, right? And we, we criticized on this show um, the Gospel Coalition for putting on a conference on about ML, uh, Martin Luther King um, because of some of the shadiness of, of his past and, and why would he be the figurehead? Oh, go back and listen because, <laughs> the, you know, I don't want to rehash it all. Um, and we, I probably just offended a bunch of people who didn't listen to that and, and have a bunch of questions. But what we can't do is take our cues from the world mm. about what sins we ought to be condemning. Because I think that we, our adversary is, is intelligent and sneaky and sinister. And so he is going to, um, he's going to um, try his best to do pump fakes. He's going to try his best to um, ha- move our eyes in one direction. It's all misdirection, right? And so he knows where his front attack is. And so I think sometimes he dangles low-hanging fruit in front of Christians to see if we will take our cues from the world. And so right now it's really, I mean, it's virtue signaling, right? All you have to do to get a bunch of likes and shares on Facebook is is find something that the culture is currently condemning. So right now, um, you know, sexual harassment and uh, and uh, racism um, find something find some Bible verses throw it on there with some sort of pop culture reference and you'll get tons of likes and shares because you're gonna get it from the Christian crowd and the non-christian crowd because and that's just but that's just virtue signaling and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't condemn racism it doesn't mean that we shouldn't condemn um, sexual um, harassment and abuse and all that, those kinds of things but what I'm saying is that it, it takes harder work to discern the season that we live in than just looking to the world and see what the world is condemning. Because probably if if Satan is is uh, uh, is um, creating that narrative from the world, um, then you can you can bet that it's a misdirection from the, the the master of lies, right? And so I would just say that we need to be far more discerning than that. We need to be prophetic. We need to look and we need to, to read the season, see where things are going, and not just virtue signal because that's going to get us a whole lot of likes on Facebook, but it's not going to get us any sort of traction in actually combating the co- the culture uh, of death with the gospel. Yeah, probably won't get us a lot more likes on Facebook, but <laughs> no, probably not us. Yeah, um, but uh, so I think that that's um, that's just something that you know we can get in trouble with when we start talking about these kinds of things because I I do think that we need to be uh, increasingly aware of the particular sins, like you said, that God has called us to combat in our time with our energy, and uh, and I think that God's calling us to be courageous, and there's nothing courageous, there's nothing courageous about virtue signaling, but it is very courageous to call something that the world calls good, but God calls evil. I think it's very courageous to call that evil in a world that um, uh, that uh, uh, acclaims uh, tolerance as as the primary virtue. So um, the the world needs more courageous Christians, less virtue signaling. Yes, less virtue signaling for sure. What what do you think? Some of the of those 
battlegrounds are like we obviously obviously we've mentioned homosexuality we've mentioned but just called say sexual sins yep. um we actually we opened the show with that and we're, we're still kind of talking about that that's one abortion is another is yeah. what would be just if to give us a couple other ideas what would be would you say would be some of the other avenues that are kind of cutting edge battlegrounds for christianity today yeah so I'll, I'll tell you what i think is is actually probably the biggest trojan horse in the church right now is is unity the concept of unity um, I think that um, we are sacrificing orthodoxy on the altar of, of unity, and I think it's killing our church. So um, what's interesting is that we, we lay biblical arguments aside um, for the sake of unity. We're, we're, we're called to not stir the pot, not to call out truth because, for the sake of unity. Uh, we forget that Martin Luther, uh, the, the, the good Martin Luther, the, the reformer Martin Luther, said, peace where possible, but truth at all costs. And, uh, and so I think we've laid too much on that altar. Uh, so for example, uh, we see a lot of churches who have made decisions about ordaining female ministers. Um, and uh, and that's, uh, uh, that's a sin that is wrong. The Bible is so very clear about it. Uh, you have to do a lot of contextualization, a lot of mental gymnastics, and a lot of scriptural gymnastics to try to make the Bible uh, mean the exact opposite of what it clearly says. And, and I've talked to so many people who will, who will talk to me about Titus 2 and, and talk to me about 1 Timothy 3 and 2. And talk to me about some of these uh, these texts that prohibit women from holding the office of elder, prohibit women from standing in the pulpit and teaching men. Um, and they'll they'll contextualize it. They'll say they'll talk about the cultural. And not only not only are those arguments bogus because the texts themselves tie it not to a cultural argument, but back to to creation itself and the order of creation. But let's not just argue that particular text. Let's look at the entirety of scripture. Let's look, look at the, the male leadership and the, and the God-ordained place that men lead their families and lead the church and lead the people of God and lead nations. Um, let's talk about the order of creation. Let's talk about how in Genesis, even though Eve was the one who was deceived by uh, Satan, God held Adam accountable. Like, like, let's talk about all those things. So what is so clear in scripture, so many churches have bent the knee on. Why? Because for the sake of unity, let's not tell women that they can't occupy a particular role. Um, and so uh, we, I, that, I think that's the biggest Trojan horse in our churches today. And, and this is, you know, you and I, we, we did a, a podcast episode not that long ago with Jacob um, on Bruxy Cavey. And I mean, talk about like all the controversial things we say. It's amazing that some of the, the, the most horrific and critical feedback that we get is when we when we call somebody else's doctrine to account when we call somebody else fa a false teacher people do not like when we name names no they don't like when we name names even though interestingly jesus and peter and paul all named names <laughs> uh we could talk about that another time um but uh what's interesting is why because they say we should be unified the church, the, the world shouldn't see Christians fighting with one another. And I would just say, we're, what we're, we're, I, I hope what you're seeing is Christians fighting with one another as opposed to what I think is actually happening, and that, and that is Christians calling false teachers to account, non-Christians to account. But all that aside, um, unity is not the highest virtue. What scripture says, truth is the highest virtue. Jesus said, I came to testify to the truth. I will give you my spirit, the spirit of truth that will lead you to all truth. 
Um, they shall know the truth and the truth shall set them free. Truth is placed at the pinnacle of scripture. Um, unity is something that Jesus says those who are truly in him have. Not something we have to fight for, not something we have to strive for, not something that we ought to um, sacrifice everything to attain. Jesus did it by his blood and those who are truly in him have unity and they move towards truth together in unity. Um, so I, I, unity, I, I, I just took a long time. You asked for several, but there's, there's the big one, I think. Well, I, think unity. I, I think you hit on a couple of them. Um, you just didn't name them. I, and I would say, I would say feminism is, yeah, totally. is one of the yeah, ones for sure. like manhood, me, like menhood. I don't know. Yeah. Manhood is, and womanhood yeah. is, is under attack in today's culture. Totally. Um, the, the correct way, the correct order, the roles they're all up for up for grabs so to speak in in culture today i think that's one one area that is a frontline frontline battleground for christianity today is proper roles proper um guidelines and what this should look like what marriage actually is that sort of thing i think that's a great one i think education is another one yeah education Um, that's huge i i love the fact that you also brought up the bruxy cavey um episode i wasn't going to specifically named but it's very interesting that unity is basically been put on this pedestal as the most important virtue now yeah uh, as opposed to truth and it's very interesting that when when ourselves because it was directly in relation to our podcast and, and another few blogs that were released um when bruxy responded to that his whole argument was not to engage with our arguments about the atonement or anything like that it was to simply say can't we all get along yeah and it's like well no <laughs> We can't all get along because what you're saying is you're 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 diverting the gospel to not make it the gospel anymore. And right. unfortunately, truth is our is our highest standard. It's very interesting that he basically said all reform. There's a sect of reform people who are just, who are very nice. I know. I, I, I kind of patted myself on the back for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but I I just yeah. think that those are some some good battlegrounds that are that as you uh, as you said are Trojan horses that aren't things yeah. because on the surface can't we all get along? Most of us would say amen. If, yeah. we, if we said that, but at what cost? Right. I think uh, just to wrap things up with, with I, I think in terms of just practical advice and things that are under attack in our culture right now, um, I would say that um, two things that I think are endangering the gospel witness of the church. And, and, and those, are, those are big words that I, or you know, harsh words that I use intentionally. I think hard women and soft men I think, I think assertive women who do not glory in the authority of their husband, who do not willingly submit to husband their husband as, their, as, they, as they do to the Lord. I think women who want to take lead and take initiative and wear the pants in their relationship, all those things, I think that is endangering the gospel witness of the church. And I think soft men who don't want to take responsibility at home, who would rather let their wives lead, who, who, who will not disagree with their wives on how to raise the children or what should be being done in the home who don't have a backbone who don't call their kids on their sin who don't call their wives on their sin who don't deal with their own sin soft men and hard women i think are are um two of the uh two things that are absolutely wreaking havoc on the church right now yeah. Amen. And I'd also like to repent that I was relieved that you waited till after 40 minutes into the episode to say that. <laughs> <laughs> because most people aren't listening now. Or because just I have the, the approval idol. <laughs> 
Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was really good. I think this is very helpful. Yeah. To, and we, and of. just so that people know, like we were asked this question about uh, the equality of, of various sins. So we wanted to address it. And we thought that there'd be enough. We'd get off on enough tangents and we'd go in, in, a, in enough directions to fill an episode with it. And we were right about that. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think we would be better served not to get sucked into the argument that all sins are created equal. This is not a, a biblical argument. It's not the biblical witness. And uh, the recognition that there are differing consequences for differing sins help us prioritize um, how we engage the culture with the biblical worldview. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. So there we are. We're the Rebel Podcast. Make sure you're following us on all uh, social media. Uh, Make sure you're checking out the other podcasts and blogs that are part of the Rebel Alliance media. And uh, thanks so much for joining the rebellion. Peace.